Welcome to the Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Your host, Sue Meyer, is a Catholic wife and homeschool mom of 11. She shares her knowledge of the study of natural alternative medicine with you. While this show is not intended to diagnose or name any disease, through her experience, Sue will share helpful information to help you further your study into the amazing world of homeopathy. And now, here's your host, Sue Meyer. Hello, and welcome to Homeopathy for Mommies. I'm Sue Meyer. I recently received an email message, and I got to thinking about the fact that on our live Q&As and in my different podcasts over the years, I've alluded to the fact that we use homeopathy and other natural means to rid the body of parasites. But when I got this message, I was reminded that, you know, I don't really have a podcast about it. (laughs) And it's such an important subject that I thought I'm just going to do a podcast and throw this information out there so you folks out there know that you can treat the human and animal body naturally to keep it free of parasites. So here's the message that I received. She says, hello, I currently have a herd of goats. In the past year, I have spent time, energy, and resources working on finding the solution to their poor health and implementing free choice mineral systems. All of that to say, in the meantime, I did not realize that I had such a heavy parasite load in my animals, and now my pastures are pretty heavily contaminated, assumably with barber pole worms. I've been working to treat my goats over the past few weeks with an essential oil protocol, which is definitely working. I've seen incredible improvements in their health since deworming in this form. However, it does not change the body's terrain, and I believe homeopathy does. So I'm wondering if this pet parasite deworm homeopathic protocol would help with an existing heavy parasite load on the pasture, or if, as in my current plan, I would still need to give the pasture a long rest period in order to recover from the past year before risking my goat herd's health again. I hope this all makes sense. I appreciate any guidance and direction. So I decided to go ahead and, you know what, seriously, I've I'm not a sheep or goat person. I've been around cattle. I used to milk a goat, but I didn't realize she needed had special needs. <laughs> anyway, I looked on the Alabama Extension website and it said that at this time, there is no single method that will control internal parasites 100% of the time. An integrated parasite management approach is required to control internal parasites. And they're talking about goats and sheep here. They talk about forage management and it says 90 percent of barber pole worms live in the first 10 inches of the ground soil. Maintaining a grazing height about five inches will prevent animals from being exposed to any harmful parasites. Hmm, I found that interesting. It says lower stocking density. It talks about um, having fewer animals on the field. It talks about rotational grazing to move them every five days. Um, Smart drenching. This is the part that kicks me. I'm like, what the heck? Anti-parasitic drugs are widely used to control internal parasites. However, over time, these drugs lose their efficacy as parasites become more resistant and harder to treat. Parasite resistance has become widespread, causing economic losses to producers. When treating animals, it is important to run a fecal egg count reduction test to determine if the animals are responding to the treatment. Doesn't this sound expensive? As well as... (laughs) time-consuming. Also, drugs should be administered according to the animal species. For details about anthelmintic drugs recommended for sheep and goats, visit www.fda.gov and search for antiparasitic drugs needed for sheep and goats. 
And then it goes on to say that the barber pole worms continue to be a major threat to all small ruminant industry. And it goes on to warn about um, the fact that parasite control programs are, that the parasites become smart and that certain antiparasitic drugs don't work for long periods of time. So we've kind of always known that. Um, I used to worm my animals with uh, antiparasitic ivermectin and some other drugs, and I always had to rotate them to keep the parasites from getting smart. So parasites are always a problem for animals and humans. And it's like, seriously, what do we do about it, right? And when I say they're always a problem for animals and humans, I didn't realize how serious the problem actually was until I took a naturopathic class and I had a whole chapter on parasites. And they versed us in 25 different populations parasites that plague the human body. Now, we weren't even talking about animals at that time. It was the humans and the different parasites that, like I said, plague the human body. And there are some parasites that hide in the skin during the day. So even if they draw blood, there's no parasites in the blood because they they crawl into the skin and hide there during the daytime and only come out in the blood at night. And of course, you always hear that they're worse at a full moon versus a waning moon and all these different things we hear about when it comes to parasites. And it's all true. <laughs> That's the worst part. So anyway, I almost thought I was going to have to drop the class when I had to study parasites. I lived on a farm my whole life. I seen calves die. If you didn't catch the fact that they had, you know, parasites or whatever, and they would, they would get a cold and just die before you could bring them back, you know, from their illness. So I was very exposed to parasites on the farm. And when I like I said, when I started I had animals on our farm and I would use the ivermectin and the other anti-parasitic drugs for our horses and cattle. And then I met with the um, sustainable farmers in the area and they said, oh no, you can just give diatomaceous earth and you can just give um, coconut oil and you can do these things. And I'm like, what? Coconut oil? And I always buy my coconut oil in big gallon jugs. And so I thought, well, I'll just start feeding my animals coconut oil. And oddly enough, they loved it. They lapped it right up because as it turns out, coconut oil is very rich in what they call medium chain fatty acids. And we'll talk about that in a little bit here. But right now, I just wanted to say that, you know, like when I took my class and I found out how many people actually had parasites in addition to animals, I was just shocked. It Because in this country, like when, and then I took a muscle testing class. And when I took this class, I realized that, well, they, what happened is they actually tested each individual in the class, in front of the class. And about 30% of the people in our class were actually infested with parasites. And our instructor would say heartworm, tapeworm, roundworms. He would actually name the type of parasites that everyone in the room had. And like I said, these were natural professionals. So the chiropractors, massage therapists, naturopaths. It was shocking to me to find out that even though these people did everything natural, they were still infested with parasites. And then on top of that, James Tyler Kent, when I was le reading later, he talks about the fact that all children under the age of seven have parasites. And when I say seven, he says, because adults with a healthy digestive system have enough hydrochloric acid in their stomach to keep parasites at bay. Parasites cannot live with a healthy hydrochloric digestive system. Children do not have a high enough level of hydrochloric acid, and so parasites thrive in children. So it's only after the age of seven that sufficient digestive juices in the human stomach keep parasites at bay. Like I said, in our this country today, our diets have been so destroyed that our digestion is interrupted. Our food source works to actually disrupt the naturally occurring digestive fluids, and therefore parasites can thrive without threat 
in our bodies. And so when I say they can, how can they thrive? What, what's, what is it about our food that allows parasites to thrive? Well, a quick Google search will explain that Kent, what Kent knew a few decades ago. It says hydrochloric acid is an important component in gastric juice. It is a strong acid produced by the parietal cells in the corpus, generating a gastric pH of two to three. So that's not like the pH, like if you're going to test your saliva, it's not that kind of pH. This is, this is gastric pH. Activation of pepsin and absorption of nutrients relies on an acidic pH in the stomach. Hydrochloric acid is also important in protecting the stomach and intestines from pathogens. So there you have it. Parasites are pathogens. So now we've established that both humans and animals have a problem with parasites. And when it comes to ruminant animals versus like humans, ruminant animals have four compartment stomachs. These four compartments each have, each of the four have a different job. It's only the true stomach. The abomasum is the true stomach of the ruminant. And in this compartment, the hydrochloric acid and digestive enzymes are produced, such as pepsin, which breaks down proteins and receives digestive enzymes secreted by, from the pancreas. The, pancrea, the pancrea, pancreatic lipase breaks down fats. These secretions help prepare proteins for absorption in the intestines. The pH of the abomasum generally ranges from 3.5 to 4. So it's much higher. It's not as acidic. And so therefore, parasites can thrive in ruminant animals so much easier than it can for humans. And I know we were talking about, um, I had this, I don't know, I teach a pet homeopathy for pets class. And one of the questions that always comes up is, how do I care for ruminant animals? Well, in Dr. McLeod's homeopathy for animals book, he talks about the fact that over 50% of all ruminant animals' food should be dried stalks three to more than six inches long. So like hay is the perfect food for ruminant animals because that forces them to chew. It's only when their food is six inches longer or more that they can act, that they're, they have to force the regurgitation so that they can chew their cud. And when they chew their cud, it produces more saliva and they actually will have a lower pH, stomach pH at that time. So that in and of itself is the best thing that we can do for our ruminant animals to help keep their pH at a healthy, balanced level so that they, their immune system is strong so that they can fight the parasites more effectively, naturally. So here we have mammals all over the, the humans as well as animals around the world. What are we going to do for them to get the parasites out of their bodies, right? <laughs> and like I said, we have to remember that parasites are smart. So we constantly want to do different things. We want, we want to keep our bodies healthy naturally. We want to use natural things in our bodies. We want to keep our diets healthy. And so, you know, I mean, you can Google what to eat for a healthy diet if you don't know by now, but that's not what this podcast is about. So like I said, I used to use ivermectin along with other antibiotics for my large animals. And then I'd go to the vet clinic at least once or twice a year and pick up worming medicine for my dogs and cats. It was a vicious cycle. And I was, I was always at an uphill battle. And like I said, and then I met the sustainable farmers and they told me about coconut oil. Yay! <laughs> I started feeding coconut oil to my larger animals and they loved it. And it was so weird because like on the second day, like 24 hours after I started feeding coconut oil seriously, from the brisket down of the one cow, there were small parasites coming out of the skin, through the skin, right out of the body. It was so shocking. But what happens is um, 
you know, it just, it forces those animals. They just don't like, it forces the parasites out of the body because they don't like that coconut oil. It makes a fr very unfriendly terrain for the parasites. So they leave the body and it was pretty horrible. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. So later I eventually, um, found out about diatomaceous earth and how that worked and then how that kills the homie, it kills the parasites and dries them up so that I don't have to witness them leaving the body. But at the same time, I still like to give coconut oil because it makes for an unfriendly terrain. The diatomaceous earth actually just kills the parasites. And then I use the homeopathy to help balance the body so that the entire body is just unfriendly to parasites. And then it makes for a stronger body. And it's just, it works. I haven't ever had to worry about parasites in any of my animals for about 20 years now. And that's all I've ever done. So it's... We even had taken in a stray kitten that was full of, oh my gosh, full of parasites. And of course that they infect the other animals and so on and so forth. I'm like, don't worry about it. We'll get rid of them. Again, diatomaceous earth, we just put it in their water um, because cats and dogs do not like to, you know, they don't like you. They won't, they don't want to eat dry diatomaceous earth like cows or horses do. But I just put it in their water and then I just use the homeopathic remedies and I give it to them either dry pellets, or again, we can just put it right in the water with the diatomaceous earth because it doesn't affect the efficacy of the homeopathic remedy. And like I said, you can just use, I, and the remedies that I use, there's so many remedies out there. I use a combination remedy for my animals. It's called the Parasite Deworm Mini Kit. We sell it on our website and it has directions on the package. It's just two little combination remedies and I alternate them. You can either alternate, um, you can use one for one to two weeks and then use the other one for one to two weeks. I actually like to put it in the animal's water, one of the combination remedies for two weeks, and then the other one for two more weeks. And I do that once or twice a year, depending on what kind of animal it is or what their threat is for parasites. But I also like to treat, like if I have in the barnyard, I also like to treat the pasture or the, the pasture ground or the barnyard with the dry diatomaceous earth. I just sprinkle it. It comes in 50 pound bags um, and you want to use the food grade diatomaceous earth and you just sprinkle it all over when there's, you have a dry week, you know, there's no rain coming. I sprinkle the, the ground and you'll get such a good kill. Um, and like for those barber pole worms that talks about them infecting the top 10 inches of the ground, that's, that's a really deep infect. I would definitely sprinkle the ground and I would rotate the animals for a period of time because you've got to get a good kill. It does say that high temperatures, parasites will die quicker in the pasture, like 100 degrees or more, they'll drive, die very quickly, and especially if it's dry. So keep that in mind. But diatomaceous earth kills ants, worms, cockroaches, spiders. It kills everything. So and parasites are not stronger than cockroaches, trust me, and they die as well. But you do, if they really are that deep in the ground, then you are going to need to rotate the pasture. So what is diatomaceous earth? I know a lot of people say, so what is it and how does it work? <laughs> Okay. Well, it's, it's a single cell diatom. It's fossilized remains of tiny aquatic organisms. Their skeletons are made of natural substance called silica. And we all love silica. Our bodies need silica. It's actually one of the main components that make up the human body. Over a long period of time, diatoms accumulated in the sediment of rivers, streams, lakes, and oceans. Today, silica deposits are mined from these areas. Silica is very common in nature and it take, makes up 26% of the earth's crust by weight. Various forms of silica include sand, emerald, quartz, feldspar, mica, clay, asbestos, and glass. Silicon is a component of silica. 
and it does exist naturally in its pure form. Usually, it reacts with oxygen and water to form silicon dioxide, which has two naturally occurring forms, crystalline and amorphous. Most diatomaceous earth is made of amorphous silicon dioxide. However, it can contain low levels of crystalline silicon dioxide. The first pesticide products containing silicon dioxide or diatomaceous earth were registered in 1960 to kill insects and mites. So about the time they're coming out with all these other sprays to put on our fields and corn, they were also coming out with this natural antiparasitic product. There are thousands of non-pesticide products that contain diatomaceous earth. They include everything from skincare products to toothpastes, food, beverages, medicines. It is very long list. Food grade diatomaceous earth products are purified and they may be used in anti-cakey material and feed or clarifiers for wine and beer. So like you say, you can actually add it to the feed of large animals. You can make it, give it to even the ruminant, small ruminant animals. I like to use it um, even like under the straw where your chickens lay their eggs to keep the lice off the chickens. You don't want small animals or like dogs, cats, even humans to inhale the particles because it can be damaging to the lungs. You don't want to get in the eyes. It can be damaging to the eyes. I've never known it to bother the skin, but I imagine for small children, you'd want to be careful. It's like I said, it does kill insects, but it's harmless to humans and larger animals. And I just, I'm always, I always have diatomaceous earth on hand for some project or other, but it, it like I said, it does kill insects and parasites so well. It's great stuff. And again, talking about the coconut oil, I have to say that it's extremely effective in expelling parasites. You know, everything from pinworms to tapeworms, roundworms, and other parasites that plague the human as well as the animal body. Coconut oil is rich in medium fatty chain acids, which is known to help our body fight against parasites. It acts as a parasitic cleanse that may also help your liver during the detoxification process, as the liver can heavily be taxed during the detox of parasites. And oddly enough, I didn't know this, but it was so exciting for me to find out that dried coconut is also very effective in ridding the body of parasites. And in our store, and I'm, I think we have them on our website, um, coconut smiles. And I don't like dried flaked coconut. I don't know why it just tastes, I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's the texture, but I don't even really like the flavor of coconut that much. Like if you get a coconut drink or a coconut dessert, but I love coconut smiles and they're just little little slivers of dried coconut and they're so good and I'm and all of our kids love them as well so you should check that out on our website as well so in addition to the pet parasite deworm kit which is two combination remedies that we sell on our website you can just actually look up rubrics for parasites ailments from parasites when if you look at the materia medica you're going to find about 272 homeopathic remedies listed for parasites or ailments from parasites it's everything from abutanum, aconitum, calcarb, cena. Cena is one of the top remedies for parasites. To magcarb, to spigalia, spongia. Also, tucrium is a huge remedy for fighting parasites. Like I said, there's 270. And then if you say generalities, worm complaints, there's 270 remedies listed. Again, everything from abutanum to tucrium, sabadilla and sulfur. It's just amazing. And I've listed these on this printable that you can find on our website resource for the podcasts. Worm complaints in children, there's not as many remedies listed, anything from aconitum 
belladonna, cena is the number one, as well as spigalia. Generalities and worm complaints with where dentition aggravates with constipation, dolchios. And then we have generalities in worm complaints with the moon waning. With the waning moon decreasing, I'm sorry, the waning moon decreasing, sulfur is listed. Generalities where the waning moon aggravates. We have several more. There's phosphorus, pulsatilla, rustox, sepia, sulfur again. And then we have specific types of parasites. We have the ascarides or the pinworms. And again, there's at least 100 remedies listed. Sulfur, calcarb, cena, sabadilla, spongia, spigalia, aconitum, bredicarb. There's many, many remedies listed. We have hookworms, cardosmar, thymol, carbonicum chloride. And then we have roundworms, bredicarb, cena, spigalia, silica, sulfur, sabadilla, magcarb. So many remedies listed. And like I said, you can look at these lists, but you'll see the repetition of the different remedies that come up for each kind of worm. Terabathia, um, tapeworms. There's many re- remedies listed for tapeworms. We have Felix granatum, carboveg. We have pumpkin or cucurbita, argentum nitricum, ambra, graphite, sulfur, tucrium, terabathia, sabadilla, Again, you start to see repeated remedies. Tapeworms do have a few more remedies listed that are not in the other groups of remedies. And it is probably one of the hardest worms to get rid of in the human body. That's how I found James Tyler Kent's recommendations for helping to balance the hydrochloric acid within the body and to strengthen the digestive system. And he said that this, by this means, it would balance the system and it would rid the body of the parasites. Because if the hydrochloric acid was at a level it should be, then the parasites simply could not thrive. So we also sell this protocol. It's a parasite protocol that we have. It comes with, um, I think it's four remedies. They're all 200C potency, along with a small bag of diatomaceous earth. And it's just amazing. It works so well, especially in adults. You know, so is because the younger, younger children actually cannot produce the levels of hydrochloric acid needed for balancing, you know, increasing the hydrochloric acid in their system. So the diatomaceous earth works wonderful for them or any other particular remedies, the terabathia or the tucrium or the sulfur, the calcarb, all work wonders for children. But I still tell the parents, put them on the parasite protocol because a lot of times it's hereditary disposition and these are very constitutional remedies. And I can't remember the order of these remedies and how they're given, but it's just simple remedies like sulfur and calcarb. So it's absolutely amazing. And like I said, it, it expels, kills and expels tapeworms. So it works fantastic. And so with that, I, I hope you've learned enough about parasites to know that it's a real problem. Try not to ignore it. Anything from constipation, diarrhea, emaciation, you know, when the body's not thriving, failure to thrive in children, always think of parasites because it it is a real problem. Like I said, when you realize that about 30% of Americans actually have a problem with parasites and almost every child under the age of seven, then you realize what a huge problem it is. Understand the fact that all your animals probably have parasites and just treat them every six months to a year. And then everybody's healthy. Their coats are, their coats are shiny and smooth and they're happy. They're not irritated. So and, and people, too, become grouchy. Little kids pick their nose. They, they pick their bottoms. they they always wiggling and scratching and itching. And understand that that, as well, is a symptom of parasites. And, the, and because the mucous membranes, even of the nose and the mouth, all are affected by parasites when they are have infested the body. 
Okay, with that, I hope that you can, um, you know, deal with the problem. And now you know that it's it's very normal. It's nothing to be ashamed of. You don't, I know a lot of people say, go in and get tested, find out what type of worms you have. But I'm just telling you that if you just treat the symptoms with homeopathic remedies, um, like I said, these two products that I just mentioned on there, along with diatomaceous earth and coconut oil, you won't have a problem. It'll take care of it. All right. May God bless you and yours. Thanks for listening to this episode of Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Please visit Sue on her website, homeopathyformommies.com, and join us right here at homeopathyformommiesradio.com, Wednesday, noon Eastern. As always, we pray the Lord blesses you with good health, vitality, strength, and wisdom.